So if God's created us to be these revelation receivers, if we as human beings need his word, I think it's good for us to take heed to it. We live in a world where people are very confused. There's so many times when I prepare a study, I'm often thinking of you guys as believers, as my brothers and sisters, as a local church. What would God have for us? I pray that we would be in a place to receive his word that we would be able to do his word, that our lives would be changed by it, that our faith would grow by it. But I often also think about mankind as a whole. We touched on it just a little bit last week as we considered the Ten Commandments. What if we just would do that? This is what God has said. This is what he's asked. How different would the world look if we would just do what he has spoken, what he has revealed. And God's not trying to hide any revelation from anyone. Do you know that? God actually wants people to seek him. And we have that privilege this morning as we get back into our study of 1 Corinthians, which we're looking at chapter 14 this morning. So if you haven't turned there yet in your Bibles, please do so at this time. But this morning as we are to be these revelation receivers... We're going to consider the gifts of the Spirit, the spirituals, which the Holy Spirit gives as he wills. It's going to look different. But I want to ask you guys a question, and I don't want you to raise your hands. This is between you and the Lord. Are you willing to receive a gift that he deems as a gift for you? I believe we come short often of all that God has. And there's many reasons why. A lot of excuses why. But I want us to be open this morning to what the scriptures have to say. Because when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's something that we can't make happen. It's something he gives, but are we willing to receive? And as we considered a couple weeks ago, some people within Christendom don't even believe in the gifts of the Spirit that they would even be for us today. Cessationalism is what they call that. The Bible doesn't actually teach that, but there are a lot of people who teach that. And it's one of those things, God does have gifts, and we're going to see the purposes of them today. So what I want to do before we jump in here is I want to take a read with you guys through the 19 verses that we're going to cover, and then we'll come back and we'll uh, just revisit verse by verse through this passage. So let's take a look at verse 1. He starts off by saying, pursue love. And if we remember, we just were in chapter 13, which is the love chapter, right? He says, and desire spiritual gifts. And that's been my prayer this week is that God is stirring up our hearts that we would be ready to receive from him whatever he would have. But especially that you may prophesy. And he goes on to say in verse 2, For he who speaks with a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may 
receive edification. Verse 6, but now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit or profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether a flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known by what is piped or played? For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of a language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he might interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Well, I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen to your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I think, my God, I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. I love that we study the scriptures verse by verse. A lot of Christians that don't even want to deal with this, they'll just skip this passage of scripture. I think a part of it is because there's been abuse of the gifts within the church. I recall John Corson sharing a story of or an example of a man coming down the street, 400 pounds. And someone freaked out about it. I'm never going to eat again. I don't want that abuse to happen to me. Well, that's foolish thinking, isn't it? What's going to happen? You're going to starve to death. You're done with food just because it was abused. And it's the same thing when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit, guys. There are abuses within the church. And some people, I want nothing to do with it ever <laughs> No, they are gifts, but they need to be used properly. The same thing with food, right? To be used properly. So when it comes to tongues, we're going to talk about this a little bit and the next time we get into chapter 14. Um, there is a distinction that's made between the use of it in the church and the use of it privately, Okay. Now, you guys see church is brought up in verse 4, 5, 12, 19, 23, 28, and 35 in this chapter. But there are two major objectives when it comes to the church. Did you guys see in verse 12, it's for the edifying of believers. Okay, God wants to build us up. So it's also used in verse 25 the conversion of unbelievers, because this is a spiritual gift. Someone starts speaking in a tongue in another language that they don't know, that we don't know, how can that be? Well, that's a supernatural thing. So in that, unbelievers will be like, whoa, what's happening there? And that's what we'll look at the next time we study Corinthians. Um, but really, the twofold purpose of the church is given there. So what should we expect when we go to church? I think that's a good question. Well, we see in verse 3 there should be teaching and preaching. Okay? A lot of people are like, why do you take so much time on a Sunday morning studying the Word of God? 
Because that's what we see played out throughout the scriptures. That's what we see taught in the Bible, that the church, when they come together, are to be given to the word in the study of it. We see that practice throughout the book of Acts. And as the word goes forth, the church keeps growing. It's beautiful. I have some pastor friends like, hey, I caught your teaching last week. Hour and 15 minutes? How in the heck did you pull that off? (laughs) I'm like, that's kind of our norm because that's what the church should be doing. That's what the word calls us to do. And also, we should expect, look down to verse 15 with me. There should be praying and singing. I so love that. It's pretty simple. We should see teaching and preaching. We should be singing and praying. Are we doing that? Why don't you guys have more programs going on? Why don't you guys do that at Freedom? Have you ever tried this? No, we kind of stick with uh, teaching the word. We get together and pray before service, pray during service. We'll partake in communion. We sing together. That sounds kind of biblical, doesn't it? So, imagine that. A worship service should lift up the Lord, it should build up the saints, and it, and it should not puff up the participants. So we're going to look simply at this passage this morning, considering the building of the church, how it benefits the church, and the blessing it is to the church. So let's take a look once again at the first five verses, because this is the building up of the church. Okay? He says right away to pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks with a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now I want us to note together, guys, that this chapter is set up by, hey, I show you a more excellent way. That's the last verse that we found in chapter 12. And that excellent way is what? Love, chapter 13. And now we're going to talk about the spiritual gifts in chapter 14. And he starts off that by saying, hey, pursue love, right? And I love it because if you actually go into the Greek, it's literally we're to hunt after love. We should be habitual when it comes to love. The New Living Translation says it this way, let love be your highest goal. You guys know I get a lot of phone calls as a pastor. And every once in a while, one of those phone calls is people inquiring about the church. Hey, what do you guys believe? What are services like? Are you spiritual? What do you mean by spiritual? Do you guys speak in tongues in service? No. Well, I guess you're not spiritual. I've had people visit the church here. And they've come up to me afterwards, hey, you guys are too spiritual for me. I'm uncomfortable. I mean, what do you mean? People are raising their hands during worship. <laughs> I've had other people say you're not spiritual enough. I wish when people called that they would ask questions about things lining up with Scripture. Do you believe in the gifts? Yeah. Do you guys practice those biblically? Yeah. And I think it's good for you and I, guys, to come to the scripture because this is what's going to bring clarity to how we ought to live because we can receive from the Lord, (laughs) but are we going to do what we're receiving according to his word? Because there is a lot of confusion. There's a lot of curiosity when it comes to the gifts of the spirit, but so few people take the time to actually study. What does God say? It's great this denomination or this movement or this book on the Holy Spirit and his gifts say this, but what does God say? Guys, we want to get it right. So when it talks about pursuing love in the context of 
the gifts. Guys, let love be the goal. Let love be the goal. But don't you know they're more spiritual at that church? They have these gifts going on. Do you guys recall as we've been studying verse by verse through this entire epistle, this letter to this Corinthian church that they're a bunch of flesh bombs, super carnal, okay, sexual perversion going on among the believers there? And guess what? They had all the gifts of the Spirit going. I don't want to be judgmental or critical, but that's been my personal experience within the church over the years. I was part of a a charismatic church for a short season of my life, and there was a lot of carnal things going on, adultery going on among the leadership, just things that broke my heart. It's like, how can this be going on? We're so spiritual. It's going on. We pray in tongues together. Why is this happening? We've had a softball team. There's a church league for years. And the Pentecostal team, very charismatic. We pray together before the games. I literally was praying the home team got to pray. I was praying one time as we were all praying together because they all, it's time to pray. They're speaking in tongues so loud that they couldn't even hear what I was praying. Okay, a little bit of confusion. I asked the Lord that we would beat them really good. And they're all like, amen! <laughs> but the sad part is, there were years we're playing that team. I loved the fellowship. I loved playing with other believers. And this is the spiritual team, the ones who speak in tongues in our league. They were the most fleshy, compatible. Like, I didn't want to show up and play against them. It was no fun. They just wanted to argue and fight, and it was just flesh. I actually skipped games playing against them. I hate being judgmental and critical, but it wasn't fun going to play because these spiritual people, I had to really fight against my flesh just to enjoy some fellowship and softball. So, guys, we need to keep the context. What's going on with the church in Corinth? They're spiritual, but they're very carnal at the same time. And just because you have gifts of the Spirit doesn't make you love. And I love the emphasis that Paul puts on here. It's not about these things. It's not about the gifts. There's a place for them, okay? We should actually desire them. They should be used rightly. But it needs to be in the context of what we studied in chapter 13. It's got to be around love. Because if there's not love, guess what? It means absolutely nothing. And I love just how Paul, he was very intentional. You guys understand that? When Paul wrote his letters, he was intentional about what he was putting down. God wants us to get this and to understand this. But he also says in verse 1 that we should desire spiritual gifts. That in the Greek means that we need to be zealous for. It's where that word zealot actually comes from. We should be zealous for those spiritual gifts. So let me ask you guys, do you desire spiritual gifts? Or is this morning like, oh, it'll be fun to learn about this stuff, but I don't really know if I want any of those gifts. No, God would have us to desire them. So he brings up in verse 2 here, tongues, speaking in tongues. Glossasalia, glossa tongues, lalian to speak. So to speak in a tongue. Glossalia is the spontaneous utterance of uncomprehended and seemingly random vocal sounds. So speaking in tongues is always, when you look in the word of God, it is always praise, okay? And it is always prayer to God. And I've seen that misused within the church. But every time I've been in a setting where tongues have been given, it's been rightly interpreted, in a very healthy, biblical way, every single time, it's always been praise to God every single time. Now, I've been in some charismatic churches where a tongue is given and there's an interpretation. Thus says the Lord to the church. You don't see that ever in the Bible. And every time I've been in a setting and I've seen that done, it did not sit well in my spirit. I was like, whoa, whoa. And that was even before I knew what the Bible clearly taught on that. But I'm just like, whoa, my spirit's not testifying 
with what's been going down right now. So again, I think it's good for us to be biblical when we come to the gifts of the Spirit. So we see in verse 14 here, it's prayer. Note also it is to God in verse 2. And we also see in other places in Scripture, it's praise. You can jot down Acts 10, 46. You guys remember when Peter went to Cornelius' house? For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify the Lord. That was the result of them speaking in tongues. So tongues really is for the enrichment of our prayer life. Okay, I'm so thankful that Ozzy shared the importance of prayer this morning. It is something that we have been given the privilege to talk to God, (laughs) to really enrich our lives. Chuck Smith says of tongues, it is a gift whereby a man might assist in his worship of God and his communicating with God. So do you have to speak in tongues? Big question. No. No. But wouldn't you want to receive it? if it is a gift that God has deemed necessary for you personally? Yes or no? Yeah. Okay. Does everyone have to speak in tongues to go to heaven? Well, the church down the road is teaching that to people. If you don't speak in tongues, you're going to hell. I don't see that taught anywhere in the Bible, but there are a lot of people that believe that and teach that. And we need to be very careful because as we're going to see next time, the Spirit gives us, he wills. Not everyone is going to have the different gifts. God's going to give different gifts to the body for different reasons. Now, let's consider prophecies for a second. In verse 3, is this predicting the future? Is that what this gift is talking about? Well, before the scriptures, God's message came through the prophets. Uh, Charles Swindoll said this, So the prophet came and ministered the word until the word came to minister prophecy. Ellen Redpath says, Do not put a narrow definition on this word. It literally means preaching testimony, witnessing in our daily life. William Barclay translated as the gift of forth-telling the truth. And what is truth? John 17, 17, Jesus said, my word is truth. So it doesn't have to mean foretelling of the future, but it's speaking forth the counsel, the mind of God. So, and it will also come around the will and the message of the Lord. W.E. Vine says, so much of the Old Testament prophecy was purely predictive Prophecy is not necessarily nor even primarily foretelling. It is a declaration of which cannot be known by natural means. And then he cites Matthew 26, 68. Prophesy to us, Christ. Who's the one that struck you? It is the foretelling of the will of God, whether to reference or a reference of the past, the present, or the future. And I like that. So the goal of prophecy in all preaching should be edification. That is the point. So for the Christian, okay, we have preachers prophesying for the point of building up the church, that we would grow as Christians in the truth, in our Christian lives. And we see that at, at, at the end here in verse 19, right, to teach. It's also for exhortation. How many of you guys find encouragement when you hear the word of God preached? You betcha, right? So we need that, okay? So it's a consolation in every group. There are those who need to be encouraged. And I love what William Barclay said. He says this about preaching. Listen carefully. You may humble a man through showing him his sin, but it is a failure unless... It ends in pointing him to the grace of God that can enable him to conquer it. Wow. Last week we covered the Ten Commandments. That's pretty heavy stuff, isn't it? And we can't do it without Christ, without his grace. Okay? If I just left you guys hanging on the Ten Commandments and didn't share the good news of Jesus Christ, man, we'd be destroyed, wouldn't we? And that's what I love about the scriptures. God is honest. 
He loves us enough to tell us the truth, guys. And there are some things that are hard to swallow. Whoa, you know what? That's, that's a hard truth, but I know it's right. I know you're right. I know that's just and that's fair. I know what I deserve. But man, you're merciful <laughs> and full of love. That's a beautiful thing, guys. And that's the beauty of the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of wisdom. Because when we rightly see God for who he is and who we are, <laughs> the sinful, rebellious people that we are, is not his mercy that much more glorious? So we need the truth, the whole counsel of God. And also, it mentions comfort here. Okay, so it also, when, you, when preaching, teaching, prophesying is happening, it means comfort and consolation with great degree of tenderness. It makes me think of Isaiah 61, verses 2 and 3. To comfort all who mourn, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's the heart of our God. I know some of you come in this morning with heavy hearts. I pray you find encouragement from the Lord. You guys know that we're just doing a study through Corinthians, but even as we're considering these gifts, isn't there comfort that is found? Oh, we have a heavenly Father who loves us, who's willing to give to us, to build us up, to encourage us. Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. So let's go back to tongues for a moment because that's where verse 4 takes us now. It says, those who speak in tongues, they edify himself. Well, isn't that selfish, Pastor? I thought we were supposed to deny self. Pick up our cross and follow Jesus, right? Well, didn't Jesus pray for himself? Check out John chapter 17. Didn't he do a whole lot of praying for himself? Yeah. You see, guys, it's okay to build yourself up in your devotions, in your prayer time, in his word, you know. But as for the church setting goes, that's different, okay? We are here to serve one another. So what is the point? Well, the point is to edify the church, which we also see in verse 5 here. Okay, and that's why he says prophecies are greater. Well, if tongues edifies yourself, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's some times where I'm just going through something. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to pray. And there's times where I just pray in the Spirit. I'm praying in tongues. And I find encouragement in the Spirit. Because that takes a little bit of humility. It's a disconnect from my intellect because, you know, I should know what to be praying right now. Chris just sent out the prayer request for the pantry, and some of this stuff this week is heavy. People who lost their homes are sleeping in their cars. They need that surgery, but they can't even get in to see a doctor. I don't even know how I ought to pray. You guys ever find yourself just praying in the Spirit, even as Romans 8, I think it's 26, tells us that the Spirit will groan in us? The older I'm getting, the more I'm growing in my prayer life, there's a whole lot more groaning. <laughs> like, Lord, I'm, oh. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Oh. <laughs> it's our spirit. And that takes a little bit of humility. Because sometimes I don't, have, I don't have the right prayers. I don't know what to be praying. I don't know what to do. And that's one of the gifts with the gift of tongues. But when it comes to prophecy, that's something that has been given to the church for the edifying of the body. Well, we should be a little more spiritual. We should have times of speaking in tongues together because that's the spiritual thing to do. Well, we're told the building up of the church comes through the teaching of God's word, the foretelling of the word, of prophesying. Well, you're not spiritual I came and visited church, and all you did was teach for an hour. Well, guess what, guys? That's a gift. That's a gift to our body. It's a gift that God is using to grow us up, that we would be mature, and that we'd actually be on mission. Because when we're taught, we know that it's all about 
Jesus. It's about him. And we know that here at Freedom. We get that. And that's why we seek him. But be truthful, I've been there, I've done it, where I get a little excited about the gifts. I want to seek the spiritual stuff. Oh, I heard healings are happening over here. Oh, prophet's coming, he's speaking here. That's what I did when I was young in the Lord. Oh, they're so spiritual here. I never heard anyone speak in tongues. This is so cool. God cares about what we seek. And a lot of times we have a tendency to seek the blessings from God rather than seeking the blesser himself. But when we look to the word of God, we are reminded over and over again we are to seek him above all things. He's the one we look to. It's his word that points us to him. And even in the gift of tongues, what does it do? It's to him, isn't it? So, we see in verse 5 also, unless one interprets, I want to note with you guys chapter 2 of Acts, because this may have come to your mind, okay, it's where Pentecost takes place and tongues was used, and we're told in verse 8 there that we hear each speaking in our own language, okay? And they were just in awe because, again, it was about all the miraculous things that God is doing and who he is, it, it was praise. But everywhere else where tongues is mentioned in the Bible, men were not understanding what was being spoken at all, okay? We say it here in verse 2, 16, 19 through the book of Acts. So if tongues talked about by Paul was the same as in Acts 2, when would we ever need an interpreter? And that's what is brought up here. Hey, an interpreter is needed. Now, Shalom this last week for our Tuesday night study was helping me put together some verses. I was having a Bible study, and she was just jotting them all down for you guys, okay? And we got into some of these passages about speaking in tongues, you know? And we didn't even talk about interpreting yet, but she brought up the question. It's just like, well, how do you know what you're saying when you speak in tongues, Dad? I'm like, I don't know, (laughs) You know, but I know it's the spirit working. I know I find encouragement in it. I know peace is brought. I know it's a gift God's given to me. And there's a lot of times where I'm tripping and I'm overwhelmed and God's given me this gift. And why do I try to struggle, you know, and try to find the right prayers (laughs) when God just says, hey, just trust me. Just pray in the spirit. Like, okay, that's awesome. And then Shalom looks at me, she's just like, hey, I want the gift of interpretation. I'm like, that's pretty cool. Because according to the Bible, we should desire the gifts of the Spirit. I'm like, baby girl, that's a good desire. Do you want to pray right now to receive the gift? And we prayed. And she did not receive the gift. And I had to tell her, I've been praying for decades for the gift of interpretation. Because I've been in church settings when the gift of tongues has been used and the interpretation has been given, and it is beautiful. Years back at the Vandermosses, we were doing a series study on the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, a tongue was given, and that night, everything that was preached, okay, God spoke very specifically. Interpretation was given by two different people from the tongue that was given, and it was perfect praise of where God had us as a group that night together. It was beautiful. It edified and built up the believers that were there. And that's the way it's supposed to be done when it is done biblically. But again, interpreters are needed. And I don't know many people who do interpret. And I think it's a good prayer and I encourage Shalom, hey, keep praying. <laughs> be awesome to have interpreters. Um, So if the gift of tongues is spirit-inspired utterance that is not intelligible, then the gift of prophecy is spirit-inspired utterance that is intelligible. So it is recognizable vocabulary through God's message or messages that are communicated. So when he says, hey, desire that you would prophesy above all others. 
How many of you guys have a desire to share the word of God with other people? Well, I think that gift's just for you, Pastor. Nope. <laughs> desire the gifts. That's what the Bible says, and especially that we would prophesy. Why? Because you're commanded to love your neighbor. The most loving thing that you could do is go share the word of God with them. Let's move on to verse 6 through 15. We're going to see here of what benefits the church. Let's read through again. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with a tongue, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, that they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For if a trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? And so likewise, unless you utter uh, by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. And there are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of a language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. And therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing in the spirit, and I will sing with understanding. So what shall it profit you? That's the question in verse 6 here. Okay, profit. What's the benefit? Okay, that's what it's actually saying. So there is no public benefit when tongues are being used. Okay, no public benefit. We could sit here, I could, you know, speak in tongues to you guys this morning. Woohoo! Whoop de doo! <laughs> I'd be edifying myself, but would that edify the church? Not at all. Okay, you guys would all go home and say, hey, Pastor Landon's lost it. <laughs> he's not doing what he's called to do as a pastor. <laughs> so, we see in verses 7 through 9 here, he, he, he now uses these analogies, and there's three of them. Did you guys catch them as we went through? The first one, he speaks of the music world, okay? If notes are not played with the right tone and pitch and time, they're only noises, Okay, that's kind of what happens when my kids start a new instrument, <laughs> okay? It's just like, shut your bedroom door, please. <laughs> um, and then it gets around an analogy of the military world, right? If you have a bugler that's just playing some random notes, okay, the troops aren't going to know. Do we advance? <laughs> do we retreat? What are we supposed to do with this, right? And then he talks about the daily world, talking about languages, okay? They're all for a point. They all have meaning. They must be clear and distinct message to be understood. And we see that even happen. You guys know that the English language is like the definition of words are radically changing, okay, more so than any of our history of English. Okay, we're redefining things and we're coming up with new words all the time. You know, I have to hang out with you young people just to even know what some of these new words are, you know. But things like we want to have an understanding, like, hey, you said that, what does that mean, right? So he uses these analogies to make this point for you and I, and that's what we see in verses 10, 11, and 12 here, because Paul really steers their zeal in a right direction, okay? We don't want to squash zeal, okay? Baby girl, you, you want the gift of interpretation? Well, maybe you should wait until you're an adult, until you grow a little more in the Lord. Then maybe God would, you know, see it fit to deem you with a gift. No. <laughs> she has zeal. Hey, I want what God would have for me to have. 
Sweet, let's pray together about that. And I, I will keep praying that God will give the gifts that he has for you to you. Okay, but we want to steer that in the right direction. And that's why I so love the word. Okay, because God here gives clarity. Hey, you're to have this zeal. This is a good thing. But let's steer it in the right direction. Um, and then in verse 13, um, he doesn't normally understand what he is speaking when someone does speak in tongues. Because really, tongues, again, is the basement of all pride of intellect. Okay, they keep us humble. They help prevent intellectual pride and reminds us that God is greater than our understanding and that he works way, his ways way transcend our understanding. You guys know that? Okay, very humbling thing. So let's take a look at verse 14. Paul says, my spirit prays. So this is the ability to express ourselves to God without funneling our feelings through our intellect. And sometimes words just don't, express what we're feeling. There's times where I wake up and I'm just like, all right, (laughs) I'm in the spirit right now. Something's going on. You need to pray. Okay, Lord, (laughs) I'll pray. Don't know what's happening, but as I begin to pray in the spirit, sometimes God will just like, hey, put someone specifically on my heart. This is what's going on. I stood up in a few weddings (laughs) as best man over the years um, and one of my best friends, um, he was a roomie of mine for a season, uh, he had gotten married, and I was thousands of miles overseas, uh, hadn't talked to him once since I went to Bible college in Austria, um, I didn't even give them our phone number for, for the castle, that's where the school was, was at, um, anyways, we had no contact, and there was one night that I, I woke up, and I'm just like, whoa, they're on my heart really heavy right now. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't talked to them in a couple months, I think, at that point. And the Lord just had me praying, interceding, praying in tongues. Okay? It was just heavy. And it went on for a while. And sometimes when it goes on for a while, it's like, all right, <laughs> something is obviously up. So we had a men's house that wasn't in the castle. The gals all got to sleep in the castle. That's where all their, they got to live in the castle. But the only phone was in the castle, so I snuck into the castle <laughs> in the middle of the night because they were so heavy on my heart. And I called, and Josh picks up, and he's in tears. And he's like, there's no way. How did you know? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I've just been praying in the spirit, and God's laid you guys on my heart big time. Like, what's going on? Well, a mutual friend of ours had just manifested a demon in their living room, and they're tripping out. That had never happened to them before. They had never seen that before. And they're like, what do we do? <laughs> well, obviously, God was up to something. Obviously, God was doing something enough to have this demon manifest that it can be addressed, that Brandon would repent. It's one of those things, guys, there's so much going on that we don't understand. And if we're just willing to be humble and open to what he's up to, he'll use us, he'll speak to us. You know, it can be little things. It's not being like, oh, look at how spiritual you are. It's not a spiritual thing. It's a humility thing. Are you surrendered? Just, Lord, use me. <laughs> Even if that means that, I, you know, I, I, I want to serve at the pantry. I, I want to help those who are poor. I know it's something our church has given us too. And our sister Chris comes and asks us this morning just to pray. I didn't ask her to come up and <laughs> talk about prayer this morning. It was on her heart. But it kind of comes around what we're talking about this morning. There is a need. It may be at work. Maybe you're not able to come down and physically serve. But man, God works through prayer. Are you willing to say, yeah, sign me up for those prayer requests. I'll be diligent to pray over these people, to pray for these requests, see what God does with that. A lot more could be said. 
but we're already over time. You guys do this every week. Oh. All right, let's look at verse 15. That's the conclusion, okay? Verse 15, the conclusion, and they're both very important here because he says in verse 14, my spirit prays, but he says with my spirit in verse 15, is, it's contrasted with understanding, and then he sees, you see the following in verse 16, with my spirit. So it's just being in tune. If you're born again of the spirit, yeah, things are gonna be happening. You're gonna be praying. And that brings us to the blessing then for the church. And that's the last few verses here, starting in verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what he say? For indeed, you give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all, yet in the church I would rather speak five words of understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now there's a couple keys here, and one of them is giving thanks. You guys see that there in verse 16? That's the issue. And we see in verse 18 that this verse, and also back in verse 5, Paul places an importance on tongues. So we want to be in that place of, hey, hey, I want to be open. I want to commune with you. I want to communicate with you. If that's a gift you would have, great. I would encourage you guys to pray for it, earnestly seek it. Get alone with God. Give thanks. Praise him, okay? And let your tongue go. See what happens. For my wife, she was praising the Lord and praying in the car, just driving home. Spirit gave her the gift of tongue. She wasn't seeking it. She was just praying the Lord did it. For me, I told you guys before, I was hanging out with some of those charismatic for a short season in my life. Oh man, they were anointing me with oil, praying over me to receive the gift of tongues. And I'm just like, man, I'm not getting this gift. Everybody else has this gift. Why don't I have this gift? This is so unfair. I love you too, God. (laughs) Can I have a gift? (laughs) Something? And I kind of got over it. I'm just like, all right, I just guess that's not what he has me to do. I can clean toilets for you, Jesus, whatever you want. I mean, that's really where I was at. I was just like, whatever you want. I'm will- and I was cleaning toilets at the church at that season in my life. Um, but it was one of those things. I had worked a long day, and I went to my second job. I didn't get home till a little after midnight from Pizza Hut, delivering pizzas. And I was wiped, and the Lord asked me, just to worship, just to worship. And I put on an old Hillsong CD. This is when we had CDs way back in the day. <laughs> and I just, I was there, I was just worshiping him and praying. And I just began to speak in tongues. No one was there encouraging me, trying to help me. Just say, your mama wants a Honda. Seriously, that's what someone told me. You got to just start somewhere. Just start, and it'll just come. God gives the gift. You don't have to do anything. You just earnestly pray and receive. And that's what happened. I was just praying, and God just gave. So I want to encourage you guys. Take time to seek. Praise him. Let your tongue go by faith. Detach your tongue from your intellect. Attach it to the spirit. In verse 19, in this verse, and also in verse 1, Paul places this importance on prophecy. Let's not forget that. Okay? You ever sit in a church service that was in a complete other language? Anyone do that? I've done missions all over the world. It is the most boring thing ever. I love you guys. You're my brothers and sisters. Okay? The Spirit testifies. We love each other. But dang, we have church for an hour and... 45 minutes once in a while, and that's long once in a while, and you guys do it for three, four hours, and I don't understand a single word you're saying right now. Snooze fest. (laughs) Um, Lord, I was praying, (laughs) wrap it up, please. (laughs) But the point is, did you guys catch, you said, I'd rather speak five words of understanding than 10,000, okay? So 10,000 words in a tongue were not to come to display you know, a spirituality. So only five words. He'd rather speak five words. Okay? 
for your sin, Christ died. That's going to say a whole lot more to people than speaking in tongues. Or Christ lived, died, buried, risen, deceived, repent, believe, receive, cleave, sought, fought, distraught, caught, bought. I asked you guys that on Facebook this week and a bunch of people replied. The one I got a biggest kick out of is hot dog is not a sandwich or a burger or something like that. But the point here is we need to remember, guys, worship service should lift up the Lord. It should build up us as saints and it should not puff up the participants. And it's never, hey, look how spiritual we are. Say, hey, look at our good Father. <laughs> look at Jesus. Okay? He's a good dad, gives good gifts to his kids, and we want to be open-handed. I'll receive by faith anything that God would deem necessary. And again, these gifts, guys, are for the benefit of the church. And we've also seen through our study here in Corinthians that we need each other, okay? We've all been given gifts. We're called to love, to serve each other, to do life together. And I do believe, guys, that the Lord's gonna be adding to the church here. And I do believe a word that God's given for our church is we need to make room. We need to make room to receive what he wants to do and what he wants to give. So let us be believing. Let's be open-handed and receive all that he would have. Amen. So, Father, we're again thankful for time in your word. We do need to be instructed. We can get a lot of good ideas and think we should do this or that. But I love how you keep it pretty simple for us. God, and we want to continue, Lord, in gathering together, not forsaking this time, the fellowship of, of believers, Lord, to give attention to your word to spend time coming to your table together and remembering all that you've done for us, Jesus, and being able to pray together. What a gift you've given to us, how simple it is, Lord. I pray that you keep us on the straight and narrow, keep us missionally minded, God, because that's what you're up to. You're on a mission. Lord, your grace found us. You saved us. There's even some this morning that you desire, Lord, to redeem, to set free. God, that we're once destined for hell, but you have eternal life. And we know that is a gift that you've given to the world if they'll just receive by faith. God, help us to be just people of faith, people of praise, people of prayer. God, keep us in that sweet spot. Keep teaching us. Keep us teachable. May you increase. May we decrease. We ask in your name. Amen? Amen.